Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges and most importantly how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host Sandra Beck. Hey mamas, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Kathy Kraftke and this is part three of our series on marriage and parenting and today we're going to talk about leadership. Now this is near and dear to my heart, Kathy, because you know raising boys, raising girls, you've done both. I've only done uh, half of mine and I'm only halfway through my tour of duty with the boys. But I have run corporations and small businesses that are majority family owned and Boy, if you don't talk about, you know, all the drama and warts coming out in those two environments, whether it's small business, you know, or your home. And I got news for you. A home is an awful lot like a small business. Kathy Kraftke. Well, I just love the way you, first of all, thank you for letting me be with you today. I always love our conversations. And I love the way you bring things together on so many levels, because I know a lot of moms today are trying to raise children and work and have it all. I mean, it's just a time in life when women have so many opportunities, Sandra. Well, they do. And a lot of us, you know, are working full-time moms, not by choice, or part-time working moms, not by choice. You know, it's the economy and certain industries that are shifting and changing that are causing us to wear a lot different hats than our mothers and grandmothers before us. Okay. I was thinking about some of the things that have changed. Like I always tell my mother, uh, she, if she had been born a generation later, she would have been the CEO of some company because times have changed so much. But she was such a dynamic woman in her, in her early 20s and 30s. I mean, and so I remember her very clearly as a young girl watching how dynamic she was. And she, I just... I just love it that my mom is still inspiring me even today. Well, my mom too. And my mom gave me some really good advice. And I've used this in my company and I've used this in my household. She would look at me and go, oh, and now granted, now she was married to my dad for 60 years. So they had a wonderful marriage. My dad held her to the moment she, she died from breast cancer. So they had a great, loving, respectful relationship. But she would say things to me like, oh, you know, I love your father, you know, but he is He's hysterical. He's, you know, gets so upset about everything. He's, I can hear her and feel her come through me. And she would instill in me, she goes, Sandra, always remember the stability, the emotional stability in the household stems from the mother. And I will tell you, dollars to donuts, the emotional stability in my home, in my offices, in my company, come from me down. If I don't freak out, if I don't fall apart, if I hold the fort, the family and the office stays stable. Yeah, I I think as women, we sometimes underestimate how 
how valuable our natural stamina is. I mean, we give birth to kids, we adopt kids, we make room in our hearts to make family out of people that aren't even related to us, but they just come into our life and our heart opens up and receives them and we make them into family. And there's so much strength in that, that I sometimes think as women that doesn't get, we don't get the credit. I mean, of course we do get plenty of credit these days, but sometimes I think we underestimate for ourselves. Like we don't give ourselves credit for how much our hearts expand to make family and to create that family fellowship kind of thing that happens in our lives. I was hoping, I I didn't mean to, I, I know when we talked about the show, one of the things we wanted to talk about was how we raise amazing sons. And I know you're doing that, Sandra. You're just, you're just such an inspiration to me. I, my son is, uh, you know, farther along than yours is yours, your, yours are, but I still want you to hear me say how much I admire the job you're doing with those two boys. Of course, you know this, cause I tell you this privately, but it, <laughs> it's such a blessing to me to be able to say it in a public way. I think you're such a fine example of a mom raising her boys and making a beautiful family with the people that God has entrusted to you to be, um, I don't even know what the word is, just to love them. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Kathy. I mean, I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, God-given gifts, it's like, you know, I was raised in a family that was very military-based. We had, you know, a lot of structure, especially from my dad. And my dad was Navy, and, you know, he would, he had certain standards. He had certain, like, behavioral standards. And I know, you know, a lot of people these days talk about, like, oh, you know, kids have to have their emotions. And they do. Don't get me wrong. But there's a time and place for these things. I mean, we cannot be emotional all over the place and in running my companies and running my family as a single family and taking care of my my dad I think of the different type of leadership roles that I've taken on I've got life leadership which is the leadership that I have over my own life I have family leadership you know with my dad and my kids and then I have corporate leadership in my corporation and the funny thing is Kathy you know it's like the funny thing on the way to the bank was that Leadership takes many forms and it is needed in so many situations, but strong leadership doesn't mean picking up the phone and yelling at everybody and yelling at your kids. You know, that, that old model of leadership, which is put up, shut up and do what you're told. You know, there's there's a time and place for that, like in crisis situation or emergency situation. You know, I'm not going to have an argument with my kid when the kitchen's on fire. You know, it is put up, shut up, do what I tell you to do. But that's just like a gear on a car, Kathy. And as women, we have this amazing range of gears. Like we're like an 18-wheeler, you know, cruising through life because we got one set of leadership for a toddler, another set of leadership for an ornery 13-year-old. That I have a, another set of leadership for my 82-year-old dad when he will not take his medicine. I mean, these all require finesse. But the one thing that I'm going to say stays constant, whether I'm dealing with a family issue, a personal issue, or a corporate issue, is the ability to stay stable and focused on the mission, on whatever it is I need done, and block out all the nonsense. 
You know, I think you made a really good point. When you talk about staying focused on the mission, I immediately think about the World War II generation that I remember so well. I mean, that was my grandparents. My grandfather was a World War II hero. I mean, he came home with a Purple Heart from the Italy, from the Italian front as a doctor. He was right behind the front lines, patching guys up and sending them back into battle or sending them home. So he raised my dad and he was so stoic. And I, I think there were some disadvantages in a way. My, my sweet dad, it was so hard for him. He eventually learned later in life to say spontaneously that he loved us kids. But so that was a disadvantage in a way. But another thing is that generation of men, they really raised sons who were stoic uh, determined, focused on a mission that those men were achievers because they knew how to stay focused. Well, and you know, it's so easy as women to get pulled off target. You know, when I got divorced, one of the things that I used to feel real bad about was when my kids would go visit their dad, they'd be excited to see their dad, but they would be sad to leave home. And sometimes they'd be annoyed at their stepbrothers or their stepmother. And, you know, it was a really big, hard time for us. And I had to force them to go. I was court ordered to send them. You know, it's not like I had a whole lot of choice. But what I found was that when I stayed stable, I didn't cry. I didn't fall apart. I just looked at him and said, guys, this is what you need to do. This is what has to be done. You'll be home on Monday. And was it put up, shut up? Yeah, a little bit, because it wasn't helpful for me to let them fall apart. We all have to learn the skills of dealing with situations we don't like, whether it's at work, whether it's at home. These are skills we all need to learn, but it does go counterintuitive to the nature of our soft hearts. Yeah, I, I think sometimes as mom, I, I noticed, I notice in marriage when you have a, a spouse in the picture and you're parenting together, one of us is the good cop and one of us is the bad cop most of the time. And generally I'm the good cop. So sometimes I don't have as much confidence even as you might as a single mom, Sandra, simply because I'm wondering, you know, is it, am I, am I right about this? He's so sure that we need to do it the tough way. But I have this tender heart where I'm wanting to say, no, 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 let's do this the tender way. There is a balance. And I'm not, I, I'm, I think whichever calling you have, whether it is to parent collaboratively with your husband, or if you are, if you have the blessing of being a single mom, either of those are blessings. So, but I think there's advantages and disadvantages to both. But I would just say to single moms out there, one of the beautiful things that comes with your territory is you do gain a kind of confidence, even in your mistakes. I mean, you just you make your mistakes, you learn from them. Maybe you do better next time, but but you you know for sure the buck stops with you. Of course, the benefit of having a collaborative collaborative effort with your husband is as a wife, you as a parent, you get to have somebody to kind of bounce that off of and bring a balance to the situation. They're both, they're just different. I, I do think that it's a blessing to know that at least in my opinion, God does not shortchange us. He gives us a, a good choice either way. 
I, I he does, and he, he gives yeah. us what we need. Now, I need to take us to a uh, commercial break. We're visiting today with Kathy Krafke, and the, the topic of today is leadership, life leadership, personal leadership, leadership in the household, leadership in your companies if you do that, and leadership over your personal domain, and how to negotiate with others in raising a family, because that's not easy. And Kathy has done a great job raising her children, keeping her marriage together, and having a wonderful relationship and it always wasn't wine and roses she had to work hard for it and along the way she learned a lot and that's why she's our guest today so when we come back from the break we're going to talk more with Kathy Krafke about leadership and raising children especially my heart goes out to single moms raising boys and girls today I know it's not easy we'll be back after the break Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. Got my dreams, got my life, got my love. Got my friends, got the sunshine above. Why am I making this hard on myself when there's so many beautiful reasons I have to be happy? It's words you never heard. Did you ever notice you buy more groceries when you use a large shopping cart? The shopping cart, or trolley as it was originally called, was invented in 1937 by Sylvan Goldman, owner of two Oklahoma City grocery stores. Back then, shoppers carried their food in wicker baskets. One day, Goldman was observing his customers and realized that as soon as their baskets were full or too heavy on their arm, people stopped shopping. Goldman thought if we could somehow give customers two baskets, we could do considerably more business. What's another word for a resourceful person? A debrouillard. Goldman put wheels on some folding chairs, attached two baskets to the seat, and let the back of the chair act as a handle so the cart could be pushed with one hand. What do you call anything that can be manipulated with one hand? A thumbadoodle. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. 
Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Brings you up slowly, then shoots you like a rocket toward the ground. It twists you and it shakes you before it turns you upside down. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Kathy Krafke, and this is Motherhood Talk Radio, and we are talking today about life leadership, personal leadership, you know, how do we get through what's going on, and I can I can swing a dead cat around my neighborhood and hit about, I don't know, 25 moms who are all going through something, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a sickness of a spouse, a child, a parent, we all have stuff. And what makes the difference between somebody who gets through it and somebody who gets run over by it? And for me, when my life changed and my ex-husband left and my mom died, I totally went into the turtle, Kathy. I'll be honest. I kind of closed up shop. I stopped calling people. I stopped accepting invitations to go out. I just holed up like I was in a bunker and there was just like incoming, like legal bills and, you know, you got to transfer title and you got to do all this stuff. And I couldn't handle it. I totally imploded. So I'm not here to say you guys have to get it right the first time. I'm just here to talk about what I learned Um, fighting back. And it took me five years to fight back financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I was really mad at God, Kathy. I was like, great job on my ex-husband. Yeah, that was a real miracle you made right there. I mean, I had a full-on argumentative relationship with God at that point. And I never lost faith in God. I think I had a big fight with him. And he was always there like in the back of my head chattering, like, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And I didn't believe it. And I had to borrow on the faith of others to believe it. And I just gave up. And when I finally reached my hand out, I was amazed at how many people were there. Not because I was anything special, Kathy, but because I asked. Yeah, I I think you hit on something really important about our mindset and how how we sometimes there's just so many things about what you just said, like how our courageous mindset allows us to get through that first five years that, and, and I would just say marriages have these cycles where if you end in divorce, that presents one path in the road. But if, even if you stay in the marriage, you have maybe a five year path before you really get to a place where you're happy again. So there's that. But then you also mentioned about your human resources, all the people around you that you didn't even know how ready they were to surprise, to support you and, and wanting to comfort and encourage you and, and offer you a light on your path. But then also this idea that that our kids are just, they're in this life with us. I mean, we can't, we can't keep them from experiencing what we experience. We can only hope to, to lead them in a way that's very gracious and judicious. I, I, there's just so many things that you brought up there. 
I think the first thing I wanted to say is coming back to that point of mindset, you know, we began this series talking about ways women can take care of themselves because most, well, I didn't as a young woman, I had no idea what that meant. All these older women told me that and I totally did not get it. So now as an older woman, I find myself saying, take care of yourself, but I want to be really specific. So that that's what prompted us to create all these lists of th- ways we can take care of ourselves and each other. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you weren't even aware of all the people around you who wanted to support you. I, I just think that's so important for us to open our eyes and look around and see there are women everywhere who've already been through it, and they just can't wait to offer us some cur- the encouragement they were really hoping for themselves. Well, and what it does, like, here's the thing about accepting encouragement. At first, and I'm just going to be straight up, I was like, yeah, yeah, right. You know, you believe in me, Uh uh-huh. Like, like you're just blowing smoke. You're just being nice. You're just, you know, you know I got run over by a truck. So, you know, what are you going to say? You're not going to kick me when I'm down. All these things would go through my head. And I don't know what happened to me or why I got that way. I just know that I was at that point. And I remember when I was trying something new with my company, you know, my kids are real little, Kathy, like, I don't know, like a year and four years old. And they were in my office. One of them was always strapped into a car seat. The other one was in a playpen. Then I would switch them. You know, they start to yell because I couldn't, I didn't have care and I couldn't, I couldn't do it all. And I couldn't work. And, you know, I just, I had to strap them down. So I'd strap them down in a good way and give them toys and things to watch. But I was sitting there and my buddy Rick came in and I said, Hey, you know, I'm thinking of trying this. And then I put my head down and I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's not going to work. The company's going to fold. Everything's going to fall apart. You know, I should just let it go. Just let it go. And he looked at me and he goes, of course you can do it. Like, he just said it in a way that was like, you know, like, what are you thinking? Of course you could do it. Now, the funny thing is, years later, I said to Rick, I'm like, hey, you know, how did you know I could do it? And he goes, I had no idea. He goes, I just knew that if you didn't think you could, you would fail. You know, it's like Wayne Gretzky says, we miss 100% of the shots we don't take. Well, we don't take shots in life because we don't think we can do it. And, you know, I did a job one time where I worked with some uh, professional football players. Uh, One of them was a Miami Dolphin in the Don Shula days. And he said something to me. He goes, Stan, he goes, there's only one tiny difference between somebody who's successful and somebody who's not. And I'm thinking, you know, like, what is this? And he's like, no matter what you're trying to be successful at, a family, a company, you know, professional football, whatever it is, he said, people who are successful never stop trying. He's like, it really comes down to that simple fundamental principle. When you think you're dead, you're done. And so, Kathy, this um, this idea that I could hold on to my house in the foreclosure, in divorce in California, and I was going through a foreclosure on one property from the divorce. I was trying to hang on to my home. You know, I had a beat up old van and, you know, every sign was telling me to just pack it in, give up, give up. And I remember watering my flowers in the front of my house that the deer kept eating. And I'm like, there was mud on the ground and I thought, you know what? I just want to lay down and just have the ground swallow me up. Go with my mom. I wasn't suicidal. I just, I was done. 
And I thought about those words at that moment going, if I believe I'm done, then I'm done. So if all I need to do is switch a belief, even if I don't really believe it, I'm going to fake it till I make it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I'm here today. Yeah, I love that. And and actually, after we talked last time, I made this list. It became a column in the Buller Banner, and I titled it Eight Ways to Raise Sons Who Lead. And one of them is utilizing human resources, which is what you've been talking about, you know, with having Rick offer you such positive, perfectly timed, faith-filled, uh, positive words that that's one of the things on the list but the other one is just to speak positive truth to people and and I think that's so important with our boys when we're raising them I I love it that Rick knew to say that to you even if he wasn't sure and and of course I'm on the other side of this story I I've met you when you're at the height of your success and you're just helping everyone around you you can't even meet another woman or man without offering them some kind of kindness and encouragement in their efforts and their work so I just love Rick I don't even know him but I love him for what he did for you in that moment and I want to say, especially if we're focused, I know you want to include daughters and you're so sweet, you don't have to, but I specifically was thinking about boys because our son is still in college and we're almost done with him and your boys are a little younger right behind him. But, but I think Rick's example of speaking positive truth and giving people a vision, that is so much what leadership is about. We we call people. We we don't lead the way the World War II generation did, with kind of a military way. Instead, we call people to an inspired idea, a vision for what the future can look like in their lives, personally, but also in the greater community and the whole nation. I mean, that's what really what America is about: is calling people to a vision of freedom and courage and. I, I mean, that's what our that's what our he- heroes in the military are willing to risk their lives for that right there. So speaking positive truth to people about their potential, to me, that is the greatest use of the freedom of speech. Well, and that's so right. And, you know, think about when you ask somebody if you can do it, like, let's do this scenario here. I got this big ass education, you know, master's degree, you know, all these credentials, whatever. I'm sitting there bent and broken over my desk asking like a military sniper if I can do this. And, you know, the fact is he's not in any credible place to judge whether I could do it or not. But Odds are, if he says, yeah, I think you can do it, now I got a shot. And so when somebody looks at you and says, you know, do you think I can do it? Yeah, if you believe you can, I think you can, is a great answer to give. And you can borrow my faith in you till you find your own. Because quite frankly, we don't know what anyone's human potential is and what they can do. And as long as we're not talking about shooting up a school or doing something stupid, um, you can do anything you set your mind to. That's what our country's principles are founded on. And we can do this. So I need to take us to commercial break. We're going to be back with Kathy Krafke. And in raising your son to be leaders, have them have leadership with powerful vision. We'll be more after the break. Listen and 
as your day unfolds, challenge what the future holds. Try and keep your head up to the sky. Love as they may. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's A new study finds the happiest couples sleep the closest together, as in less than an inch apart. A survey of 1,000 couples found that 86% of those who kept such close perimeters reported they were satisfied with their relationship. Only 66% of couples who slept 30 inches apart or more reported being completely happy in their marriage. What's the word for getting up on the wrong side of the bed? Metutalipia. Another predictor of relationship happiness is touch. While 94% of couples who made physical contact throughout the night reported a happy relationship, just 68% of couples who kept their distance did the same. What's the word for the semi-conscious state between sleep and wakefulness? Hypnopompic. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck and Kathy Crafty. We should have been waving the American flag and the Constitution and, you know, Semper Fi to all of our Marines out there, you know, for that last segment. But, you know, it really does get down to some of our core truths in this country. We do have freedom of speech, but how we use our speech is really important. And now you have a great quote from your son, Will. Yeah, William's so funny to us anyway. Everybody that knows him has a Will story. But not long ago, probably six months to a year ago, we were talking about something. I don't remember what, but he's in college and he says to me, mom, they just don't get my genius. That's right. And because, because he's dyslexic, I just howled when he said it, like 
we all have a genius. Just sometimes our genius is so unique to us that other people just don't get it. But I love it that he's so positive. That's how he sees life. (laughs) Well, and it's important, you know, when we get beat up, I mean, and he's a young man and he's had taken his lumps, you know, as a, as a young man, but you know, life's going to give him some lumps and bumps, uh, you know, as we get older. And I think one of the things is when we have, our kids, and I will say to everyone raising a teenager out there presently, like, I'm so sorry for your heart because teenagers are so mean. You know, not only my kids, but other kids. And, you know, we call them on it. It's part of that, you know, teenager thing. But, and I know they don't realize how wounding the words are, but boy, when you've got a teenager in the household or a bunch of teenagers, um, the wounding that comes from the teenage mouth, I think, is unparalleled. I think there's, I, I, I like to say there's a language, like a teenage, it's almost like its own language. Teenagers are really insecure. They don't quite have the words or the vocabulary or the experience they need to put their ideas on into a complete sentence. So a lot of times what comes out of their mouth is just angry. And that's why it hurts us so much. But but really, if you can listen past the anger to what they're trying to say, it's almost like a two-year-old throwing a tipper tantrum and they just don't quite have the words yet. That's a lot of what happens in a teenager's life. They have all this rush of new emotions they didn't even know they were ever going to have. They're just weird, you know, sexual and and all kinds of insecurities and anxieties relating to their peers, their their world's getting a little bigger than just family and home. And so they try to find words for all that, but usually it just comes out angry. I just call that a different language. Wow. See, that's where, um, you know, this is where fellowship and um, friendship really come into play because, you know, when you're a single mom and you've got teenagers running around the household and a preteen and my little preteen, he's 10 and he's like, I'm going to be rude, too, because it shows I'm in puberty. And I'm like, no, you're not. That's hilarious. Does he actually say that out loud? Oh, yeah. He's oh very God. open. You know, he's yeah, very he's, open. He's uh, both of my kids are. I love it that he's so self-aware. That is awesome. I mean, that's that's hilarious. That's so perfect. What a great way to express his anxiety without actually offending anyone. Right. So great. But, you know, it's when you're all alone, and this is the one thing that, that I don't think – like married people get like, cause you can't walk in somebody's shoes. You know, I was married for a long time and then I wasn't married. And so I kind of had the experience of parenting at certain levels before my divorce. But yeah, when somebody has never experienced being divorced and raising children, I'm just going to say it as kindly as I can Shut your pie hole because so many parents give me divorce advice on raising children based on a dual parent household and they don't get it. And I'm just going to say to, you know, I get freedom of speech, but when it comes to parenting and co-parenting, it's extremely different than parenting with a spouse, because when I parented with a spouse, Kathy, 
I used to fight with my husband a lot. We would argue about everything. We have different everything, which is why we ended up not married together, uh, raising our kids. But what changed was all of a sudden, now I'm having to negotiate parenting things with him and then the wife who puts herself up as the uber parent because her kids are grown. And just because it worked for her kids in her two-parent household, she divorced after her kids were grown and then went on to co-parent with my kids who are little. Well, got news for you, sister. Your advice doesn't work in my family. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But more often than not, it's apples and oranges. Yeah, I would agree with that. And 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 I can I'm not I haven't had to parent without David. I've I've been really grateful. It's like the thing we always agree on is we don't always agree on how to approach a certain situation, but we ha- we're very like-minded in the way we parent or our our goals. We have mutual goals that unify us even in our differences when it comes to parenting. But but we did learn early on because we were the first of our family and our generation. We had the first grandbaby. And, I mean, our siblings were really quick to offer us advice, and they were clueless. I mean, all they had was theories. And so we learned really early this wonderful principle that, we had these children, God had entrusted them to us, and that we were the wisest expert on those particular children. And so then when our siblings had kids, we were the ones that were really slow to offer advice just because we understood that God wanted to deal with the, those parents and those children in the context of the family that he had given them. But I will offer you just a comfort if you will let me stand <laughs> This this has been a shock to me to be a grandparent and find out that my kids, who are awesome, and they respect me and they do ask for advice sometimes, but they don't actually see me as the greatest expert ever on raising children, even though they, I think they're wonderful. I think they turn out great. So I personally think they should be asking me for a lot more advice. So, so here's my comforting thought for anybody out there that's single. As you learn to parent and trust your instincts and, and confidence that you are the single best person on the planet to interface with your own individual children, the great news is when it comes to grandparenting, you'll be ready to keep your mouth shut because you'll respect your kids and their parenting. So that's one little silver lining, I guess. <laughs> well, it's a good thing. And and it's... You know, I think it's empowering. You know, when I put this out on the air, I know some people criticize me going, well, she's just sour grapes because her husband left her and blah, blah, blah. But you have these influences and some of the influences could be a nudgy mother-in-law or your own mother. It could be a pain in the ass sister. You know, there's all sorts of influences that come in when you're doing the best you can and you're trying to lead your family. And especially in a divorce situation, you only get to lead your family part of the time. And this is where, you know, like, you know, the, like you see in the movies all the time, the kids go to the grandparents, the grandparents spoil them. And then the kids come home. Yeah. yeah. Well, multiply that by like, 500 because they go to their dads and it's a different set of rules, a different household, different everything. I'm not saying better or worse, but it's different. And so you, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think, I think you're right. And I, one thing I didn't want us to, I don't want us to be done today without talking about how a mother can teach their, your sons, especially the young boys to, honor and respect the mom and 
And I just really want us to talk about that a little bit because I think that's the challenge. Whether you're in a marriage where your husband is difficult, or maybe you're just in a five-year stretch that happens to be difficult in your marriage, or if you're a single mom and you have an ex to deal with, I just think there are some real practical things you can do to teach your boys that they need to respect mom and motherhood. And I know you do that so well at your house. I just don't want us to miss a chance to talk about that a little bit. Well, and I want to validate something for a lot of the moms going on there. And I credit one of the social workers who was involved in with our family a couple of years ago. And she just looked at me and she said, at the end of the day, you're the mom. Like, period. Yeah. You know, the, the stepmom's not the yeah. mom. The aunt is not the mom. The sister is yeah. not the mom. The cousin is not the mom. And she said, they're your children. God entrusted them to you. Yes. You're the mom. So you put that leadership hat on. Like, um, my kids and I like to watch NCIS, you know, that, that yeah. military yeah. drama show that's been on forever. And every time Gibbs picks up his hat and he puts on his NCIS hat, I want people, moms, especially single moms, to put on that hat and go, you know what? I am the mom. At the end of the day, girlfriends come and go, wives come and go. I'll tell you, I have a lot of friends who have had to deal with wife number one through the you know elementary school years and then wife number two for the high school years. Oh my gosh. And I'm not being disrespectful to the good stepmothers out there, but I will say to the stepmothers out there, hey, know your place. You are the stepmom and you are the reigning mom in the house for the time the kids are there. But at the end of the day, these children belong to that mom. Yeah, that's just a really tricky situation, isn't it? Because we all know families that are better off having been restructured. Um, it's tough. That, that is just a tough thing. It is tough, but the moms that I find that worry the most and get upset the most are a lot of times the kind-hearted moms who want everybody to get along. And when you have a kind-hearted mom and a kind-hearted stepmom like one of my cousins does, they can co-parent and work together for the better of the children. But more often than not, there's a competition between the stepmom and the and the mom. And when the mom is somebody that practices kindness and trying to get everybody to get along, it becomes a real sticky wicket. So I'm encouraging moms to put on their mom hat. So I'm going to take us to commercial break. We're visiting with Kathy Crafty. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about families and dynamics and, and how we can get through some of these things and still have our sanity intact. We'll be back after the break. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages.
If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can with Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. Mondays at noon central, Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. It's Marching Down the When residents of Alligator Point, Florida, discovered a 400-pound gabberlunzi bear raiding their garbage, they called the local wildlife authorities. The officers came out and shot the bear with a tranquilizer dart in order to move him. Unexpectedly, the frightened bear swam out into the water where it started to drown as the tranquilizer began taking effect. Adam Warwick, an officer from the Wildlife Commission, jumped into action, swimming towards a juggernaut bear, while the other officers tried to figure out how to rescue both of them. Adam was somehow able to grab the bear and paddle 25 yards to the shore, saving the bear's life. The bear was then loaded on a truck and transported back to its home in the forest. What's the word for a last-minute attempt to get something done? A charrette. It's marching down. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Kathy Kraftke. And boy, we went from waving the American flag to that single mother rant. Um, but we're going to end this section as on a light note, because one of the things that I wish somebody had said to me was that, you know what, if you raise your kids with solid values, like if your household has solid values, you know, core foundational values, whatever those may be to you. In my house, they were faith, they were family, they were friendship, honor, integrity, you know, all these different values that I identified um, for myself. And I transmitted those to my kids. These experiences that the kids have maybe at other people's houses or at the step-parents' house. You know, I used to be so afraid, Kathy, that my kids would somehow, like, be corrupted or fall off the wagon or whatever. And then I realized, like, these are just different, different, um, different environments that the kids have to learn how to manage. And that's not a bad thing because when they go to school, they have an environment with a certain set of rules. Mm -hmm. When they go to a soccer team and the coach changes from year to year, it's a different environment. We are able to adapt. Kids can adapt from one household to the other. And I will, you know, go back to Batman and say, Mm -hmm. good always trumps not good. So hold on to your faith. Put your NCIS mom hat on. Keep straight with with what is good, what is right, what is fair, what is honorable, and your kids will love you for it, and you will raise great kids. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's so important what you said about values. I, I really, my heart goes out to women who are trying to raise boys that respect other women. And maybe they're doing it at home where the husband doesn't quite get that. He doesn't know how to treat his wife respectfully. Or maybe they're doing it as single moms and they have an ex who's totally torpedoing their efforts. So I just wanted to say briefly for any mom out there that may find herself in that position, there have been years in my life where I had to say to my husband, you are just lucky you have a wife who is so funny or so relaxed or so flexible. And and so I would just point out to him my strengths. And I would do that in front of my son. And, and I learned to do the same thing with my son when he was a teenager to say to him you're so lucky you have a mom who loves you unconditionally you know I think as women sometimes we underestimate our ability to stand up and tell the truth about what is beautiful about us it's okay to do that and if you're the only one that is able to do that in your family you need to do it for yourself but mainly you need to do it for your boy so they will and I would I would I'm talking fast because I know we're coming to the end of this. This has been an amazing podcast. But in your home, I know your dad does that for you as well, Sandra. And I'm so grateful to him. And for him to know that how grateful you are, how grateful your friends are, then that demonstrates to your boys how much you value that beautiful thing that he does for you. And then that teaches them. This is a good thing that my grandfather's doing. This is the kind of man I want to be. So I think anytime we hear a positive word like that, to thank the person and and let them know that, yes, that's what our values are all about. Well, and our values are, are you know, I say to my kids sometimes, because they'll ask me questions. They'll be like, you know, Mommy, why aren't you out dating more? And they don't want me to date, you know, they but wow. they want to know why I'm not out doing all these things, you know, that other, other single parents are doing. And I said to them, you know, and I'm not trying to be a martyr or anything ridiculous, but it's like, look, it's all I can do right now to focus on myself, my company, and my family. And that's it. I don't have any extra for anything. And I'm not sad about it. I'm not frustrated about it. And you shouldn't be either because I believe a stable household is what I need right now for me. And I put it all on myself so they wouldn't feel guilty like, oh, mom doesn't have any time because, you know, she has to do everything, blah, 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 you know, which is kind of what they were saying. But it was my choice to stand alone. It was my choice not to blend families, my choice. I personally think a lot of this stuff causes more problems than it's worth. And I'm not willing for me to blend a family right now. I was that way when my kids were really little. I didn't want to blend a family. Now, a lot of people do no judgment, but that was not the right decision for me. I personally couldn't do it. I couldn't handle it, and I didn't want to. So taking ownership of what works for you is really important, especially when you're a single mom. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you know that in our family, the the extended family right now, we're doing some blending, and I'm a bonus. We don't believe in using the word step, by the way. We say bonus, and a lot of people do now. It's become more common. But so to me, I, I have a role in the lives of the children that I'm the bonus to, but I don't presume on that. I just try to compliment what else is happening in their lives. And I think that's a very valuable role and I'm grateful for it. But 
I wanted to come back to your idea of standing alone because one thing I see that's an advantage of that is when you, whether you're, no matter what your configuration is and what your family looks like, we all have to stand alone sometimes. We know that everybody else has a different perspective than ours, and yet integrity requires us to say gently and stand firm on the things that we know we believe to be true. And what's so beautiful about that is that is exactly how you teach your boys to stand alone. And we all know every man, if he is a true leader, will at some point in his life have to stand alone. And boy, he better be prepared for it because if he isn't, it will become an integrity issue for him. So I I just think every time you and your family do and stick to the values that you know are true for your for your family your your decision not to date that's not an integrity issue for anyone else but for you it is and and when the time comes that you're ready to do something different you'll you'll know you'll be ready to be able to stand firm on what you know is right for you and for your your family teaches those boys how they too can do the same thing i love that by the way Well, and we all make choices. And, you know, I know myself that when I've been out on dates and things like that, and I, I feel torn, I feel torn between I'd really rather be home in a bath. And this is not any knock on these nice guys. They're great. But I wanted to be in the bathtub. And, you know, Kathy, on a couple of my sister shows, there were some matchmakers that were, you know, trying to match me up. And the first thing they asked me to do is clean out my closet and make space for a new man. And you know what my response was? Oh, no. oh, hell no. I'm not giving up a drawer. I'm not giving up a shelf. I'm not giving up anything in my bathroom. These yeah. are hard earned, you know, spaces for me and I'm going to fill it with my stuff. And you can call me selfish, but, you know, that was a big indicator for me that yeah. I don't know if it's not that I'm not ready, but I don't want it right now. And that's okay. And so if you're out there and you are single and you feel bad because we live in a coupled up society, just look at your sink and go I don't have to clean up whiskers or toothpaste go into your bathroom and rejoice that the toilet seat is not up and finally go into the lady cave which is your garage because guess what when you are on your own you get the garage and you can make it the lady cave instead of the man cave so you know Kathy I think having a sense of humor In looking at some of these things, really also identify the joys that come with being a single mom, because there are a lot of joys and freedoms that our married moms don't have. I just, I just love raising kids. I mean, it's been the most exciting adventure. I, I call it, I, I, my favorite title is semi-retired mom, but I call it the best career I'll ever have. There will never be a career I love more than raising my kids. But I found this Irma Bombeck. Uh, quote, and I think it speaks to all moms. She says, when a child is locked in the bathroom and water running and says he's doing nothing, but the dog is barking, call 911. (laughs) (laughs) I think that kind of sums up motherhood, especially with boys. When you're raising young leaders, 
they don't know their leaders yet. They just think they're out having a great time stomping around in the mud and then tracking it back through your house with their dogs, you know? It's all good. And, you know, raising boys especially, and I can only talk from raising boys, but I want to put a shout out to my cousin Jen who called me this morning saying her little guy, Trent, is in the hospital because he was skiing and he went over a jump he wasn't supposed to, and he bumped his head and his brother came over to help him and, I don't know, slid on the ice and <laughs> bumped his head and you know she's a nurse and she's very well aware of head injuries but she was like what are the odds you know what are the odds one of them really cracks his head and the other one goes to help him and bumps his head it's like those are boys so we're going to send a little shout out to uh trent and vance in upstate new york and you know that their bumps on their head heal quickly but boy bumps and bruises come hand in hand with little boys yeah, and I, I want you to know when we finish here, I'm going to take a few minutes and pray specifically for their re- quick recovery. I love it that one of them was a, such a champion of his brother that he was willing to get involved and actually got hurt himself trying to rescue his brother. What a tribute to your your cousin. I mean, what a beautiful tribute to her parenting. Well, and it just shows, you know, that we can – You know, we can do the best we can as parents, but we can't protect them from everything. All we can do is love them and watch over them. And I will tell you, I want to share one of my little things that I do when I when my kids go out the door, whether they go to school or they go over to their dad's house. When they leave, I say a little prayer of protection over my kids and I put it in God's hands to watch out for them when I can't. Because I think that's one of the hardest things as a single mom or a single parent. You got to let your kids go. And you got to let them go really young. And that's not easy. So Kathy and I are going to pray for all of the single moms out there. We're going to pray for all of the married moms, because anyway, slice it. Parenting is tough. It's the toughest job you'll ever love by boy, Kathy. You and I, we're doing it every day, and so are all the moms and dads out there. We're grateful for all we're given. Kathy Kraftke, check her out online. Kathy, you want to end us on a quick note? Well, I would just, uh, you, you said grateful, and you know that's one of my trigger words. I find gratefulness to be the fuel that energizes us. It's hard to remember to pray and be grateful, but that, that's how we stay energized for the parenting task. All right, prayers going out to you. We'll be back next week. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Motherhood Talk.